Well, good morning, New City Church. Uh, as Eric said, I'm new on staff here uh, as the director of ministries. And so if this is your first time with us uh, this morning, whether uh, online or in person, I want to say welcome and glad I'm not the only new person in the room. And so uh, I am just excited. I know New City is excited to have you here. And so if you haven't yet, uh, please stop by our first time guest table on, on your way out. Uh, my family and I, we've been here for three weeks. We've already weathered a hurricane, I think you call it that, uh, and sweltering heat. But what I've been told is this is just Florida heat. And so as a North Carolina guy, I'm like, okay, time to wear the dry fit shirts. Um, but really, uh, our families felt really supported uh, even before we got down into Tampa. Uh, and I just want to say thank you for that. We have been made to feel like part of the family uh, before we were even here, and that's just continued. And so I'm really grateful. Uh, my wife, Jordan, and I have been married for nine years this week. Happy anniversary. Uh, and so it's a big deal, nine years. And so uh, we have two boys. Uh, Grayson is four and Thomas is two. And so we're excited to see uh, all that God has in store for New City and to really be a part of that. And so if we haven't met, I would love to meet you after the service. Uh, so just come and find me, I'll be around. Um, a few things, uh, because I am new here, just to help you get to know me a little bit better. I went to NC State, go pack. There we go, there's some in here. I love that. See, just feels like home. And so I'm thankful for that. Uh, my wife went to some little school down the road, UNC Chapel Hill. Uh, it's really her only fault, but everybody's got them. But we moved here from Durham, North Carolina, where we were a part of the Summit Church uh, for many years, and I was on staff there. Uh, and so just to continue to help you get to know us a little bit better, this is like fun fact time, okay? Uh, our family, we love doing things outside. We have two boys, so we go on adventures, real or imaginary. We're going to build things. We're going to do a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, but we love a good movie night. And so, um, man, I think probably the greatest movie series of all time is Rocky. All right. It's not Fast and Furious, but they're, they're climbing. As soon as they hit Fast and Furious 10, they'll be there. Um, but I mean, I love good movies. I love Rocky. It's got great quotes. It's a great story. Um, another fun fact, uh, Jordan says, I don't know if it's true, but I believe her, uh, that I spoke in movie quotes for the first few months that we started dating. Um, now, praise the Lord, that ended and she stuck it out. And so here we are here in Tampa today. Praise God. Um, but the reason I'm up here isn't just to share a whole bunch of fun facts uh, about me and my family. It's to open up God's word. Uh, and so I'm really excited to do that with you today. When I was talking with Pastor Eric, he was like, you could uh, end our Exodus series. And I was like, cool. He goes, all right, you got the last eight chapters. I said, oh, okay. So he was like, well, plan B can be, uh, you can take a passage that, uh, that really meant a lot to you over the past uh, few months. And so though Pastor Eric makes it look really easy and doing like huge chunks of Old Testament at a time, I'm going to ease on into things. And we're going to be in First Timothy this morning <laughs> in the New Testament. And so I'm thankful for our pastor, but I'm going uh, to jump into the book of First Timothy. Uh, we're going to be in chapter six. And so this passage uh, really has been a comfort to me over the past few years, a few months uh, and years, but specifically in the past few months, is it's just been a whirlwind. Um, there's multiple things in this passage that gave me assurance uh, that we were doing the right thing, uh, that Christ was uh, guiding our decisions and we were seeking after what God had planned for us. And so it was also convicting at times when I began to lean in too much on myself, uh, but we'll get to that too. 
And so as you open up or turn on your Bibles, here's a little context for you uh, for 1 Timothy. This is a letter written uh, to the apostle, from the Apostle Paul to Timothy. Uh, scholars say Paul is out of prison. He's visiting churches. Uh, Timothy actually went with him on earlier missionary journeys. And so what we begin to see is that Paul and Timothy are tight. And so Paul has sent Timothy to the church in Ephesus to begin to sort things out. And so we see through this letter and even 2 Timothy that it was more than just Timothy was Paul's disciple. Man, he was a friend. He was a co-laborer in the faith. He was a brother in Christ. And so he's going to send them there and he's going to hopefully give him this letter as a means to encourage him and help him carry out the task set before him. And so I think this passage is chock full of goodness. I'm excited to dive into it with you today. And so I hope you'll see how God's outlined for us how we should live our lives. And so we're going to jump into uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6 after Paul's had five and a half chapters of telling him how to rebuke false teachers, uh, qualifications for the church, and instructions on how to do church. And so we jump into chapter 6 where uh, Paul begins to wrap things up, and we'll be starting in verse 11. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ which he will display at the proper time. He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, who no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Amen. That's God's word. And so right out the gate, I want to give you all the big idea, the big thought for today. And through this passage, I believe we are charged to uphold the faith. We're going to be charged to uphold the faith. And so this passage uh, is going to be one that is usually used to encourage those in ministry. Uh, you see this a lot because uh, Timothy, he was in ministry. But as I sat in this passage over the past few months, I began to really press in and see that, well, yes, that is true. But all who are followers of Christ are in ministry. Scripture shows us that we as believers are equipped by God to do the work of the ministry. And so I love how this truth begins to play out right in the very beginning with verse 11, where Paul addresses Timothy, because I think he could have called him anything he wanted to. I mean, Paul's writing this letter. He could have called him uh, Timmy, uh, T-Bone, good buddy. Like, I mean, he could have gone wherever he wanted to with this. I, I personally love a good nickname. Uh, my mom, she calls me Jay, because uh, I think AJ was just too long. Um, I'm just kidding. My mom's right over here. I love you, mom. Um, it's a term of endearment. And so what we see here is this beautiful truth come alive uh, in verse 11, where he says, but as for you, O man of God, and we'll, we'll just stop right there because this is important because this was a title reserved for the great leaders of Israel, those who brought a message from God. Now, fun fact, this Timothy is the only person in the New Testament referred to as man of God. But however, this title is going to be used 70 times throughout the, New the Old Testament, it's going to be uh, reserved for those who brought a message from God. Someone whose duty and responsibility is to come from God and speak God's word. 
This was used to describe the likes of Moses and Samuel and King David. But we see it here intentionally describing Timothy. Timothy's calling, Paul is calling Timothy a man of God, a messenger to be sent out with a message of good news to the people in Ephesus. Timothy, a child of the most high God, because of the faith that he confessed before many witnesses that we see in verse 12. And so, but I want to stop here because it's important for us to bring it to our time here today. Because as you read this, I don't want you just to read this for people uh, that are in full-time vocational ministry. But this is for all who follow Jesus. I love that 1 Peter 2.9 tells us um, that those of us who confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, we as believers are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a people for his own possession that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called us out of darkness and into marvelous light. And that's who we are if we are in Christ. And so we are all charged through this, through this passage to uphold the faith for us today. And so hopefully you're like me when I read this, I'm like, okay, this is for me. Let's do this. Let's uphold the faith. Now, how do we do this? Now, I'm, and I, I'm a guy who asks questions and I'm like, well, well, you say that. Well, how are we going to do this? And so I think Paul gives us four charges uh, in this passage. We're going to see that we're to flee, that we're to pursue, we're to fight and hold on. And so if you're taking notes today, um, our first point is really simple. It's just to flee. And we see that in verse 11 where Paul says, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things. So what, what is he talking about here? We see um, that right before this uh, section of scripture, uh, the first part of chapter six, Paul begins to tell Timothy, man, do not appear as a hypocrite or as one who loves controversy, or you're going to use ministry as a way to get wealthy. He's saying those are things that people were doing in that time. But what we see Paul calling Timothy to flee on a bigger scale is false things, things which displease God. And I think we can all, as we read scripture, see that we're all called to flee things that displease God. We're called to flee from sin. And so this charge to flee is one that um, I actually see is a spiritual strategy throughout scripture. We see it in Paul uh, in 2 Timothy 2.22, where he tells Timothy just to flee your youthful passions. But I, my mind actually goes back to the Old Testament where we see it in Genesis 39 with Joseph. Joseph and Potiphar's wife, Potiphar's seductive wife, uh, in that chapter, we see Joseph not stopping and trying to have a conversation with her and telling her like, no, this is a bad idea. Let's reason this out. We shouldn't do this. No, nah, he just got up and ran. Like he was gone. He was out of there. Uh, but he fled. It's a spiritual strategy that we see. Now, this idea of taking flight or uh, fleeing from evil, uh, it really came into focus for me um, uh, a few years back, my wife, Jordan, and I, we were out hiking the Eno River in Dur Durham, North Carolina. Uh, it was like the first sunny day in like two weeks. We we're like, we're going to go out and do a hike. We invited some friends. And so we had a great time. Um, but about, we were on our way back. Um, we were probably a quarter mile, you know, third mile back from the car. And so in that, well, we'll pause. You need to know this about my wife. This is an important fact. She just hates snakes like fearful, wants nothing to do with them. We don't play with rubber snakes. We don't talk about snakes. But fun fact about our family, our two boys love snakes. So that's a whole God's funny. Um, but what we see here, and this is important to know, I mean, I mean, it's all granted. I want to give my wife credit. Like Satan posed in the garden as a snake. 
all right, Jesus is going to crush the head of the serpent. You know, like, it's evil. I mean, I get it. You're, you're good. Uh, but anyways, you know where this story is going already. We were hiking. We were on our way back, and there's a snake on the path, right beside the path. Normal people, and I love my wife, normal, they scream. They, like, run around real fast and just kind of get out the way. My wife takes off like Usain Bolt. Gone. It's, it's Olympic time. She was gone. She the one. Gold medal, men, women, I don't care. She was out of there fleeing. Uh, we were done. And so I kept going around a corner being like, oh, she'll wait for us here. No, nah, she was at the car. She was gone. But she lived out what we see in verse 11. She fled evil. She was out of there. But just as Jordan fled from the snake, man, we all have things where to flee. We all have struggles uh, in our lives that we're called to flee and get away from. And I think scripture is clear here and in other places. That action step, that charge is just to flee. We're to flee sexual immorality um, and impurity when we have that desire to look at pornography or to go down that physical road that we shouldn't. Man, we're to flee gossip and talking about someone or something uh, that we have no business talking about. We're to flee this idea of rivalry between one another and outdoing one another in the world. Instead, we should be outdoing one another and showing honor. Because I, Scripture is not silent on what we are to flee. You read through Scripture, you're going to see all these instances where we're to flee from evil and from sin. Even the early church, we see it was a full of a bunch of broken and sinful people. And the same is true for us here at New City today. But praise God, uh, when we flee something, we're also, when we're running away from something, we're also running to something. In Jordan's case, she was running to the car. She was going safety. And I get that. And so what we begin to see is our second charge in this passage, and that's to pursue. We're to pursue, and it gives us uh, uh, three kind of pairs of virtues that we see here. Because it says, but as for you, O man of God, um, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. We're to pursue. And so when Jordan, she was running to safety, and she was running to what was good, in the car. There's no snakes in the car. And so what we begin to ask ourselves, at least, like I said, I, I like good questions, is, man, what's, what's safe? What's good? And so scripture tells us, I love this in Psalm 34, 8, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Man, the Lord is good. Man, we get to take refuge and find safety in God always. And so this passage is going to give us three pairs of virtues to pursue in our pursuit of Christ. And so uh, before we jump into these kind of three pairs, uh, this is a beautiful, all, all these strung together is a beautiful balance of what the Christian life is to look like as they uphold the faith. And so first we see the pair of righteousness and godliness. We see it addressing both our horizontal relationships with one another but also godliness addressing our vertical relationships with God. And so we're to be righteous in the way that we act with others. Then we're also to be godly in the way that we approach and interact with God. Because Paul earlier in this uh, book or in this letter says in 4.8 that godliness holds promise for the present life and the one to come. And so what we see in godliness and in righteousness is this idea of observable conduct. And so we begin to ask the question, how would our friends or coworkers describe our conduct? Would they describe us as righteous? 
during the week? Would we describe our, um, our attitude and pursuit of God as godly? Are we going to be righteous in the way that we keep our word and how we serve one another? How about how we read our Bibles? Are we approaching God in a godly manner? And so we begin to see these virtues begin to stack on one another because, and I love how they're paired because the next pair we see is, is faith and love, the ultimate Christian virtues. Paul is encouraging Timothy here to remain faithful with where he's at. It's hard. I mean, he's, he's telling these, like, you can't teach that. This is false. This is the qualifications for an elder. This is the qualifications for a deacon. This is how you run a church. He's talking about weighty things here. And I'm, I'm imagining, because I've experienced already in my life, if he's telling these people for the first time, you can't do certain things, they're like, whoa, man, I don't know about all this. I might leave. I might go somewhere else where I like what I hear better. But he's telling Timothy, remain faithful where you are. And above all, that's love. Love others as he has been loved. Because that's the marker of those who are in Christ. Jesus says in John 13, 35, that, um, that all men will know we are believers in the way that we love one another. Man, how are we loving one another? One of the things I've been praying as I've been preparing this passage, New City, is that people know us to be faithful with what's set before us, wherever we're at. And that they'll know that we love one another. And that we love others in the way that we're interacting with them. And that's a marker of who we are. Because then we get to go into the final pair of virtues that we see, and it's steadfastness and gentleness. Man, this is the one that I felt like got really practical for me because it's this determination and persistence, but it's under control. I don't know about y'all, I can go hard, I can run the race, let's go after it. But there's this like idea of gentleness tied into it. And so it's under control because we're to stand in opposition, we're to be steadfast. And we'll see in just a minute, we're to keep the commandment free from stain and from reproach. We're to stead, be steadfast in that. But in the same instance, man, we're to be gentle. And so I, the way I've thought of this is we're to stand in opposition to the gospel, but to do it in a way that the world can have nothing against us because of the way that we're loving one another, because of the way that we're faithful, because they would say that we're righteous and we're godly and they begins to all build on one another. And so another question just for us to consider as we look at being steadfast and gentle, are we speaking truth to one another in love? Are we encouraging one another in the gospel? Are we standing firm on the truth that's there to uphold the faith? But are we doing that through a manner of loving one another and encouraging one another and pushing one another towards holiness? Because for me, this imagery of fleeing and pursuing is one that sticks, it sticks with me and I hope sticks with you. John Stott, the theologian, explained these two points really simply uh, in saying, we are simply to run from evil as we run from danger and run after goodness as we run after successes. This is we have to give our mind, time, and energy to both flight and pursuit. And so as we do these, as we flee evil things and as we pursue Christ, we see this third charge to us, and that's to fight. We as believers are to fight the good fight of faith. And you may already be seeing this like Rocky tie-in and don't you worry, I promise it's coming. I mean, how can you talk about fighting and not talk about Rocky? But we'll get there. But first I wanna dive into 
uh, the depth in chapter in verse 12. Because as we fight the good fight of faith, we fight for the truth that's been set before us to make sure that we're keeping what's been entrusted to us, the gospel, free from stain or reproach. And so Paul uses a lot of military language throughout uh, his letters, but this isn't a time where that actually is being used. I love that this was talked about as voluntary athletic agony is like the parallel here. Um, voluntary athletic agony. And so when I think of voluntary athletic agony, I go back to my glory days of high school football. It was sweet. But I'm not going to stay there too long because then that will put y'all in voluntary athletic agony and we don't need to do that. Okay. But I mean, if you think about it, I mean, come on. I went on to, I willingly, I voluntarily went onto a field with 21 other guys uh, with pads on and we just ran into one another. We tackled one another and just beat each other down. I mean, that's what we did. Man, I, I praise the Lord for pads now as 31, about to be 32. I mean, those guys who, girls who play rugby, I'm like, that's a whole nother level of voluntary athletic agony. Uh, but that's not me. But I played linebacker on defense, and my, my idea was, man, I want to do the hitting. I don't necessarily want to get hit. You know, I want to actually do it. Uh, and so, but, it, but like any other sport, man, there was a lot of training involved. Man, I, I woke up, and, you know, I worked out twice a day. I ran in North Carolina heat, which I thought was hot, but praise the Lord, I didn't live in Florida at the time. Um, but, I mean, overall, I mean, I felt like most of the time in high school, I was just sore. I mean, I was just always working and working, putting myself through this agony. But I did that for the sweet glory that comes on Friday night under the lights. I mean, it's just sweet. And so there was, there was a purpose behind what I was doing. Now, I can confess to you, was I seeking after my own glory? Was I building my own kingdom? Of course. I was in high school. I was ready to go. Uh, I knew that when I lined up on Friday nights, man, I was ready and I was going to be able to knock that other guy off of his feet. I was like, let's go. I'll go through that agony to do this. I'm all about that. But, and so with this idea of fighting the good fight, this is where Rocky comes in, okay? Um, because you got to have a Rocky tie-in, at least right now we do. Um, but he's, it's in the Rocky Six. And so it's this idea, the movie's called Rocky Balboa, and he's got his son, and his son's complaining, and all these different things. Um, and it ties in with this idea of fighting the good fight. When he tells him the world isn't all sunshine and rainbows, it's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are. It will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, this is Rocky here, and he, he's, he voluntarily went into the re ring and got pulmonized. But in all this, we begin to see this idea of like pressing on, fighting the good fight. It helps us get into the right mindset of what Paul is charging us here to do today. But I think instead of looking at my life or Rocky's life, I think it's better to probably look at Scripture, if we're honest, and, and really look at the life of the Apostle Paul. And when we see in 2 Timothy uh, 4, 6, and 7, man, Paul actually tells uh, Timothy that he's fought the good fight of faith. Man, he's been beaten. He's been stoned. Man, he's been shipwrecked all while fighting the good fight. He's finished the race and has kept the faith. He's living out this charge. But even Paul is, is sinful and broken. What we see is the perfect example in Jesus, voluntary agony. Man, he was 
in heaven and left his heavenly throne to come down and live the life that we were supposed to live. But not only did he do that, he, was, he came and died the death that we deserved because of our sin. He willingly left heaven and was obedient to the point of death on a cross so that we may be called children of God. And so we as children of God must be ready to fight. And I, I have no better way to do that than be a part of what God has going on here at New City. Then we be a part, we in his word daily, hearing from him. We're communing with him daily and continually in prayer. Man, I, I hope that if you're not, you'll, you'll get involved in a city group to where we're going to do life together and encourage one another in the gospel. Man, I've been so encouraged over the past few weeks as I've served with my brothers and sisters here at New City. I've just felt like part of the, part of the family and they've continued to encourage me in the faith. And so God's given us everything we need to flee and to follow after him and to fight the good fight of faith as we seek to uphold it. And so I do realize, though, that at this point, if we flee, we pursue and we fight, all will be all right. It took me a long time to come up with that. Um, but it was one of these things that I, I, as I was really pressing into this, I realized that's not always the case, that some things we fight aren't easily slain. It's one of these where... It doesn't mean, though, that we give up and it's like, well, this just isn't going to happen. But sometimes as we fight, the fight and actually seeing God moving that is simply acknowledging where we're at. Man, it's acknowledging the struggle we have. Man, it's acknowledging the, the anxiety or the depression or that sin that just won't go away and you're just fighting. And so I, I just want to encourage you here today, if that's where you're at, if you're struggling with something, man, the, the way you fight is you bring others in, into it with you. You bring a brother and sister in Christ into it and let them just encourage you and love you and continue to walk with you. And so we want to continue to be a church that fights the good fight of faith. And so, but in that, it still sounds like we need to do it. And so I want to go to verse 14 and 15 and show you that, man, we get to fight with the knowledge that Jesus is coming back. It's not that he might come back. He's going to come back. And so it's written as a guarantee of what's to come. And so we no longer have to fight for victory, but we fight from victory, knowing that he has defeated sin and death and he's brought us into marvelous light for those who have trusted in him. And so as, as we realize that truth, we get to go to the last charge that we see in this passage, and that's to hold on. Because this isn't a reminder for Timothy that we see in verse 12, man, to make sure you grab salvation before it's gone. Timothy's already, man, he's already locked in for eternity. He's been sealed by the Holy Spirit because he's made the confession before many witnesses, because people have affirmed his faith. But what we see uh, him telling him is a reference to taking hold of the salvation he has for all it's worth. I love how it, it's conveyed. This idea is meant to be like an intense, like grab, uh, sometimes with violence to own or protect. Um, this is how Jesus, when in Matthew 14, Peter was walking on the water and he began to sink, Jesus like grabbed hold of him and jerked him up in the boat. When they drug Paul out of the temple in Acts 21, they took hold of him. They grabbed him and drug him out. Now, when I like to think of like really locking in on something, man, me and, me and my wife, Jordan, we went skydiving, uh, for our one year anniversary, one year of marriage, jump out of a plane, right? Um, but man, we did it 
And I was locked into the instructor the whole time. I knew where the pull cord was, the backup pull cord. I knew how to do the buckles, the straps on your legs. I knew the hand motions. I don't know them anymore, but don't do that if you're jumping out of a plane. Um, but all these things, man, we were there. We were like locked in. I was double checking. Like I, I had my hands here and I was about to jump. And I was like, I'm going to do this, right? Right? Okay. And so, man, we jumped. Now, at that point, once you're out the plane, it's a whole lot more of faith than holding on. Um, but you, you, you're tracking with me. And all these things, though, man, I was locked in. I was locked in because I knew I was concerned for my life. Man, do we have this type of like intensity as we approach God's word? Man, are we locked into what he's saying? Man, do we take hold of the promises in scripture and believe they are true? Because, man, this is what we're charged to do. We're charged to hold on. And so we get to verses 13 and 14, which I believe are like the crescendo, the crux of this passage where we see this beautiful and immense charge. And it's immense and beautiful because of who Paul calls as a witness. Man, he calls God the giver of all life, and then he calls Jesus. Man, those are big-time witnesses. He just goes right out the gate, huge. But in that, it wasn't meant to intimidate, but it was meant to tell Timothy, God is the giver of all life, and he's going to sustain you as you uphold the faith. Jesus is going to be with you. And he's going to continue to give you an example uh, because we see in the end of verse 13 that he made the good confession. What Jesus has already done, what Timothy has been asked to do. And so Timothy was charged to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until Christ's return. And so we are to do the same thing. We are to keep what was entrusted to us, the gospel, unstained and free from reproach. And so how do we do that? We flee, we pursue, we fight, and we hold on. And so this is an intense, an immense charge. But I was reminded in preparing this that it's in and of myself, as good as I like to think I am, it's unattainable. Man, I can't do these things outside of Christ. Man, the world and even us, that, those without Christ and even those who have Christ, man, we struggle to flee false things. Man, Pastor Eric, a few weeks ago, told us that our hearts are idol factories. Man, we know that these things are not going to fulfill us, but we seek after them anyway. We're going to seek happiness and fulfillment in these things. And praise God for the grace that he shows us to learn that these are fleeting, but still we go back to them time and time again. Without Christ, we're not going to pursue holiness. We're going to seek out comfort, status, and wealth. We're not going to fight for holiness. We're going to fight for ourselves and to cling to this illusion of control. And we're going to fight and take hold of whatever gives us that. And so I want you to remember our main point, that we are to uphold the faith. I want to tweak that after looking at these verses, and it's going to be, we through Christ are to uphold the faith. That's what, this is how all this is possible. We through Christ are to uphold the faith. These four charges to flee, to pursue, fight, and hold on are only attainable in upholding the faith if Christ is in us. If you're, if you're not a believer here today, if you've not trusted in Christ, I want you to lock in. I just want you all to lock in because I want to encourage you as, as Paul encouraged Timothy at the end of these verses. Because it's who Jesus is that he is meant as an encouragement for Timothy and for us here today. Because what we begin to see is that Jesus, Jesus is the only blessed and sovereign. Man, what this tells us today is he, he's over all powers, human and divine, and will help those who trust in him to flee evil. 
He is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he reigns forever, perfectly. I love that Matthew 28 tells us that he has all authority in heaven and earth, and that he's the one who's perfect and holy, and that reign comes when we trust in him. Well, his reign's always happening, but when we trust in him because of the sacrifice that he's done for us on the cross, we get to see this beautiful truth play out because he's defeated death, because he left the tomb empty when he rose from the grave. Because we begin to see that Jesus alone has immortality. Because he's the one who defeated sin and death. We all are made in the image of God. And we see this in the beauty of the very beginning of Scripture. Where we all hold the image of God, but sin destroyed the relationship. We're, We're meant to live forever with him. But because of our sin, there's this eternal chasm that we can never make a way into it. But Jesus made a way through the cross. For us to be with him, for those of us who trust in him. I mean, he's going to dwell in the unapproachable light, causing us in all creation to celebrate his holiness and purity. And one day every knee will bow before him. He is the one who is over all things. And because of his holiness and his love for us, he's going to direct us in how we're to fight and what we are to pursue. And because of who Jesus is, he deserves all honor and glory and eternal dominion. It's not us who are to uphold the faith. It's Christ in us that upholds the faith. New City family, we get to place our hope and our trust and our faith in the one who reigns forever. The one who has great love for us and came and died for us. He welcomed us into his family knowing that we are going to stain the gospel. That we are going to bring reproach on it before he comes again. But he loves us anyway. I love the gospel truth that for those who are in Christ, there's nothing we can do to make them love us anymore. But there's also nothing we can do to make them love us any less. It's a sweet truth that he still invites us and loves us enough to be his messengers to share and uphold the faith we have been called into. And so if you haven't trusted in Christ, man, we would love to have a conversation with you. I would love to talk to you, Pastor Eric Wood, or just someone who brought you here today. Because what we see is, man, Christ is worthy of all glory and eternal dominion. I know this passage, man, it's been sweet to me. Because as the enemies whispered, like, man, you're really going to leave good people and a good church and go somewhere where you only know two people? Are you really going to do that? But really quickly as I pressed in, it was sweet. Because God told me, man, don't listen to the, flee the lies of the enemy. Man, pursue this. Man, pursue what I've called you to do. Go make my name great. Man, go see people reach with Jesus and the world changed. And I was like, well, that's happening in a new city. Let's go. These are wonderful people to lock arms with and fight the good fight of faith. And they're going to encourage Jordan and our family. And we're going to encourage you to hold on to the salvation that's been offered to us. And so we can go through today and tomorrow and ongoing. Remember that it's through Christ that you're able to flee evil, your pursue holiness, to fight the good fight of faith and to hold on. Let's pray, New City Church. God, I thank you just for this time where we're able to look at your word and see a charge set before us, a charge that, God, we can truly rest in you and what you have done on the cross, that we can rest in the beauty of knowing that, God, we're not alone, but you are the God who will always be with us, never to forsake or abandon, but we can trust in you 
to fulfill all the things that you said you would, Lord. We love you and we thank you. See your name we pray. Amen.